0: one way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: You have the power to attract what you want. This includes the energy, the healing, the partner, the money, and the feelings, and define your ideal life. When you embrace the Law of Attraction and begin to learn how to manifest, you will start to unlock an inner power, a power that allows you to effortlessly attract what you want. Finding inner alignment through Energy Mastery is the key to creating the success you want in all areas of your life, career, relationships, and self. By embracing your power to shift thought patterns that limit you, you'll naturally think abundant thoughts and you'll find yourself struggling less and less to create what you want with ease. Abundance is your birthright. Energy healing is your responsibility. Universal laws are the path to freedom. Are you ready to begin a journey of energy mastery towards abundance? Embrace your power and begin manifesting with ease. It all starts with you. It starts with finding and revealing the real you and understanding the rules of the universe that allow you to do so. So, whether you're just embarking on your personal journey or you seek to master energy, in this episode, Christy Whitman will give you an idea of how she can help along every step of the way. Valeria Tellis interviews Christy Whitman, about quantum success and the laws for a joyful and prosperous life christy whitman is a transformational leader celebrity coach and law of attraction expert as well as the two-time new york times best-selling author of the art of having it all and taming your alpha bitch both books were well received by the media christy has appeared on the news the today show the morning show TEDx, and the Hallmark Channel, and her work has been featured in the media in various publications. She's been featured in Goalcast, People Magazine, Seventeen, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, to name a few. Christy is the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 10-month Law of Attraction coaching certification program. Christy has helped certify over 3,000 life coaches and has helped countless others to unlock their power to manifest. She also hosts conscious couple retreats with her husband Frederick. Here is the interview with Christy Whitman.
0: In your own words, who is Christy Whitman?
2: I'm just an average, ordinary person that has learned some pretty amazing information on how the universe works. And I love to share and teach what I've learned. I'm just a growth-seeking being myself and really want to continue to expand and to feel the connection to the universe. So I'm light, and I'm human, and I'm all the things that that implies.
0: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that sounds really great. The universe, yeah. So before we begin to talk about the messages in some topics related to your book, Quantum Success, Seven Essential Laws for a Thriving, Joyful, and Prosperous Relationship with Work, Money, and Becoming an Energy Master. I'll ask you a few questions. I call them warm-up questions, as I mentioned before. What is another word for life? The divine, God, energy. What inspires you to do the work that you do, to be a good person?
2: Well, I feel so connected to divine, whereas before in my life I didn't. I felt like I was very alone. And so having this connection that I've developed over the past 20-something years um, and each time, you know, I do more and go deeper, I just feel like I want, I have the information that other people are seeking. My sister had committed suicide about 23 years ago. One of the reasons that I do what I do and the decisions that I made for my life is because I didn't want to end up like her. So I went on a spiritual quest to make sure I didn't end up like her and made sure that I understood joy and happiness and how to manifest what I wanted. And in the process, realize that there's a lot of people that are really unhappy in their lives. And like me, thought that if they get the guy or if they get the degree or if they get married or have the kid or make a certain amount of money, they'll be happy for me to be able to help whoever is in the you know, vibration of me being able to assist them and they're willing and able to receive my help. That's what inspires me is seeing somebody else get this information and change their lives.
0: Wow, That's wonderful. What do you think is the world's greatest need? More people
2: need to understand that they are energy and how to master their energy. Because if every single person understood how to manage their mind and really be able to understand that negative limiting thoughts are not who they are, it's who they were conditioned to be. If we understood how to be more intelligent with our emotions and learn how to process that energy of the emotions and how to process the traumas and the blocks and the imprints and be able to really connect with our divine partner, which is our true life partner. It's kind of like Michael Jackson talked about, you know, starting with the man in the mirror. And if every single person would understand the power that they have to call in the energy that they want to experience... We wouldn't try to control or manipulate or force other people to be different than they are. And there would be a lot of more of us really giving ourselves permission to be who we're meant to be and allowing others to, to live as they want to live. When you have that alignment, the lower self of jealousy and envy and greed and all those things everybody is capable of when we're disconnected and feel fearful, all of that would go away we be able to be in a place of living in harmony and having very loving and supportive relationships, celebrating each of our successes and, you know, really celebrating our abundance and live in a place of truly perfection of well-being because that's what we're designed for.
0: So true. So that goes back to self-knowledge, self-awareness, and why not self-love and unconditional self-love? Yes. Do you think it's possible. I'm sure you believe anything's possible, which is incredibly wonderful to think that way. But how uh, realistic it is, the idea of loving ourselves unconditionally.
2: It is a practice. It is. Because and depending on how conditioned we were as kids, you know, and and even adults and what the imprints that we have, it's something that we have to be really mindful of. because. What I do know for sure is that the divine that breathes each one of us loves us and adores us and totally, absolutely unconditionally. It's just that free-flowing, high vibration of love we have all have access to. But when we're judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves and condemning ourselves and persecuting ourselves, beating ourselves up, We're not in alignment with that self-love. And so it's a matter of loving that divine, loving life, and then loving ourselves in connection and co-creation with that life. You know, being able to realize that we are fallible, we are human, and to not beat ourselves up for that, but to really show ourselves kindness and compassion and empathy and understanding and even curiosity. But it is a commitment. It really is a commitment.
0: Yeah, I like that, Christy commitment, practice, the idea that there is a destination, it's not a place to be or to arrive at as the final place doesn't seem to be realistic to me. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Right.
2: And, you know, there was a book and it was funny because I decided to purchase this book recently. It's I don't know if you remember it from when we were kids and it's from the creator of the Peanuts, you know, cartoons, Charles Schwartz, I think, short. Happiness is a warm puppy. Happiness is getting a warm blanket, right? Happiness is lots of candles on the cake. Happiness is being able to reach the doorknob. I mean, all these like happiness is. It was such a fun book when I was a kid. I remember thinking like, oh, that's what happiness is. But it's part of the thing that we think that, oh, happiness is if I get the guy or if I have the money or if I have the warm dog or if I have the blanket. And it's all these things outside of us. And it's not just this book, but it's, you know, it's it's what most of us believed. And if we believe that these good things are the source of our happiness, we also think and believe that if I don't have these things, these things are the source of my unhappiness. Really, our source is within us and it's a choice, it's a decision, it's a focus, it's commitment to be happy, to choose in the moment, to look for a perspective of what we want instead of what we don't want. But emotions such as happiness are an inside job, not something that
0: because I have a puppy, I now can be happy. So true is a choice that's available in every moment when we are aware, right, and open to possibilities. I guess what comes to mind is um, the idea of accepting and shifting the perspective in moments like death, let's say losing someone we love, like in your case, in the case of many others. How can we shift and find that, uh, I wouldn't say happiness, but perhaps inner peace when something like that happens?
2: Well, that, you know, that's a great question. And that goes back to what I was saying before is that, you know, as a human being living in these bodies on this planet full of polarity where life experiences are not always rainbows and lollipops and unicorns. You know, it's like there is the death of people that we care about or animals or, you know, there's news that we get. There's broken hearts there. There is this, you know, in order to know love, you have to know hate or in order to know love, you have to know fear. In order to know abundance, you need to know lack there's a lot of people that are in that space of in fear and in doubt and feeling that they're not in a place of faith and they're, they're worried and there's all that. It's allowing yourself to feel the emotions that you need to feel and having that emotional intelligence to stop and pull yourselves out of any situation and allow yourself to grieve if you need to grieve or process the fear or whatever is going on. When my sister had committed suicide, it was for me it was a commitment. I really told myself I would allow myself to process whatever emotion I needed to process so that I was free of it. So I wasn't holding on to anything because, you know, they say time heals all wounds. And I don't believe that. I believe that you have to take an active part, the healing process. So if I felt angry all of a sudden at my sister because of the choice that she made, I would let myself process the anger if I felt sadness, if all of a sudden, you know, it was Christmas time and I missed her or whatever it was, I would allow myself to just go into my room, close the door and cry all the tears that I needed to cry so that we're processing what we need to as human beings that have these emotions that have evidence of that polarity of what we don't want so that we can release that to be in the receptive mode of what we do want.
0: Uh, That's so wise. Yeah. Did you already have these tools back
2: then? No. As a matter of fact, I was learning. I was starting the process of learning about the universal laws and starting the process of meditation probably a good six months before she did commit suicide. One thing that I had called a a previous boyfriend because he also had a, a brother that had committed suicide. And he told me, he said, you'll never know the reason why so you can't don't ask yourself questions you're never going to have the answers to. So asking myself why did she do it? What was she thinking? Is it, you know, is there something I could have done? I'm never going to get the answers to those questions. So I just let my mind not go there. It was like it put a blocked wall. I was like close that that road to go down those questions because there, I was never going to get those answers and that that kind of questioning can just torment someone for the rest of their lives. We do this, you know, we do this in in other aspects of our lives like what could have been or things that we'll never get the answers to. Instead, be in the moment and focus on what you do know and what you can control or what you can experience or what you can create.
0: So my last warm up question is, what do you think is the purpose of life? And why is the experience in the human body necessary?
2: Well, the experience of life is really an extension of what we come from, and that is light. It is creation. So we are an extension. We are an individual consciousness in these containments, con- these containers of the divine. And so the divine individually wants to create and create differently through each one of us. So it's really about flowing our energy and having desires and creating and moving through them and, you know, experiencing, of course, love as we do all that, experiencing the high vibrations of what a desire, when we're excited about something, what that feeling is, that high vibrational feeling of expansion. It's really for the expansion of all of it. It's for the consciousness expansion of all of it. And we get to be the temples of light, if you will, in our physical bodies that get to receive that light and that energy and that creativity and then be
0: able to co-create with it. So true. I often say that it is a miracle to be alive, to be in a human body, being able to talk about existence. Yeah, it's magic. So let's talk about quantum success. My first question will be a very simple one. What is quantum success? But before you answer that question, please define success. What is success? It's an interesting question because
2: success can be defined differently by every single person. I mean, we all have our ideas of what success is. We all have our, you know, our window of success, what, what feels high, what feels low, Is it the material wealth or is it the sense of joy or is it family? So each person really has to define what success is for themselves. But for me, from a more universal perspective, it's really allowing the fullness of anything to manifest in its highest potential. So whether it's a book being able to change as many lives as it can, or even if it changed one person's life, that's success, it's really perspective, but it's giving that fullness of flow from where the idea came from to its full fruition, to even receive the idea of a book and to have it yourself, you know, be committed to the process and putting it out there. That's a success. Now, someone else say, well, if 10,000 copies are sold, that's a success. If a million copies are sold, that's a success. If the book gets you on Oprah, that's a success, right? So there's different degrees and variations of what we as humans can put our own individual consciousness projection onto that idea of what a success is.
0: Yes, I like the idea of uh, enjoying the process, just uh, doing and then sort of uh, letting it go, not creating this attachment to whatever we create, these high expectations, which is not, it's okay too, I guess. That reminds me of a Zen Buddhist quote that says, done and forgotten. It's really basically non-attachment and just like you mentioned before, flowing with life freely.
2: Yeah, that's one of the universal laws, you know, the seven essential laws that I talk about is the law of detachment. And, you know, another way of saying that is surrender. It's doing your part in the process and then surrendering it to the bigger will. Would that be quantum success, what this is? Part of it. So when I think of quantum success, as I understand and have experienced quantum success is it's not a linear step by step process that someone that is wanting to achieve something is you know working hard and they're pushing and they're striving and they're you know taking tons of action it's more of alignment With your divine self, it's getting into that flow and really creating with energy and and really tapping into that quantum field, that holographic field where anything's possible and that pure potentiality exists. And that, you know, you as the individual creator in alignment with your divine self, being able to say, okay, the vibration kind of like putting a quarter in the jukebox and choosing the song that you want. We get to choose, I want to feel that level of success or I want to feel abundance or I want to feel freedom. And us getting into receiving mode of that energy and then doing our part, the action steps, the feeling of the havingness of it, the surrendering to it, but then taking the action, knowing that it's not only possible, but expecting what success would look like in our own individual mind to manifest, having that faith. But moving forward with total belief, t- total certainty, doing whatever it is on our part, because the divine can't type an email or write a book or get on a dance. You know, it, it, it can't get on a stage. It can't dance a dance. It, it, you know, it works through us. So we have to do that co-creative part in our action. And so quantum success
0: is really about alignment and then taking that momentum. Um, you write about learning to self-regulate and you are teaching an experience how to be an energy master. So I have three questions, one of which we already talked about a bit earlier about self-love. Is self-care the same as self-love? And if not, what is the difference?
2: Well, self-care is a part of self-love. When I think of self-care, it's like a little kind of shoot off, if you will, of self-love. To me, self-love is really being able to be in alignment with that flow of energy. And it's the opinions, it's the mindset that's in alignment with you know love, with, with adoration, with acceptance, with approval of yourself, allowing your emotions to be there too. Self-care is a practice. It's an action of, I'm tired today. And instead of like, you know, really caffeinating yourself and kind of pushing through to be able to give yourself the rest that you need and listening to your body, maybe going to bed an hour earlier, it's maybe needing your muscles from working out or tired and you going, getting a massage. It is taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, being able to put yourself in alignment spiritually. It's being able to say no when you mean no and yes, when you mean yes. If you have family members or people that you know you don't feel you align with, you know, spending not a lot of time with them. Making sure that the people that you do surround yourself with, whether it's friends or family or whomever, colleagues, that you feel good when you're around them. If you are in a relationship with them, taking care of yourself to say, "I need a timeout," or "No, that's a no for me. I need to." I need to be with myself tonight or I need to rest tonight or I'm choosing to do something else. It's really about caring because you do care about yourself in all aspects. So like I said, getting proper rust and taking care of the physical body, taking care of the mental body, c- taking care of the emotional body and aligning yourself with your light body.
0: Yeah, I love that, uh, Christy. Um, I'm wondering how do we know the difference between practicing self-love and practicing selfishness?
2: You know, it's funny because as little girls, we were always taught, you know, don't be so selfish. And that's one of the worst things that you could probably you know, called if you're a little girl and you're told you, oh, you're so selfish, like, oh my God, that's so bad. But we have to be a healthy selfish. We have to be able to, we are in ourself and we're so used to doing for everybody else and making everybody else happier, at least trying to and caring for everybody else that so many of us are so depleted. And that's why taking care of yourself has to be a healthy selfish. I used to have a mentor that would say, Don't give from the cup, give from the saucer, meaning like give from the overflow. You don't have love to give if you don't feel it in yourself. But if you fill yourself up with love, you have so much more to give to the other people in your life. I know for myself, when I'm tired and depleted and I have like overextended myself energetically and I feel overwhelmed, I mean, I'm not as patient and loving and kind to my family but when I am um, understanding, like last night, I was tired. I went to bed at seven o'clock at night. I told my family, "I love, yeah." I'm like, I love all of you. They all kind of came in the bed with me and cuddled me and said good night to me. They tucked me in instead of me tucking them in. And I woke up this morning with the rest that I felt I needed and was depleted from yesterday. And so, you know, by taking care of myself, I'm
0: actually modeling to them how to take care of themselves, too. Yeah, that's a great role model, right, of self-love. That's funny, Christy. One of these days I asked one of my guests, she's a mother. I asked her if she loved herself unconditionally, and she said no. And then I asked her if she loved her children unconditionally. And she said, yes. How is it possible not to? She couldn't explain to me why that was. I think she was, yeah, I was just caught by surprise with that question. Is that possible in any way to love somebody unconditionally and not love yourself unconditionally?
2: Well, I will say this. Every relationship that we have starts inside of ourselves. And so what we, like you said, what we don't have, we cannot give. So we may think that we, and it might be our goal or our intention to love others unconditionally, but as we're criticizing ourselves about something, it can't just stay inside. It must come out and it comes out in the way we're critical to that person or the way we're judging that person or the expectations that we have for that person. What we have inside must come out in our other relationships. Like I said, every relationship, whether it's with our divine or with our brothers and sisters or our kids or our husbands, whomever they are, it always a reflection of what we have inside, our everything and our even relationships with our money, with our success, with our health and well-being. All of it is what we allow inside of ourselves. I coach people all the time, and I just coach someone, a woman last week. She's like, "I have absolute total faith that my soulmate is coming, and I feel him and everything, but it's been 37 years. Where is he? And I'm like, "That's not faith. You're saying I have faith, I believe, but your energy is saying I'm in lack. He's not here yet. Why isn't he here? And that's giving off. It's what I call having split energy. And that's what causes most people to not manifest what they want. So someone might think, oh, I love and adore my children, but yet they're criticizing themselves. That has to come out some
0: way. Wow, that makes a lot of sense to me. So in a way, you're saying that is uh, that lack of clarity within the lack of understanding what love is, perhaps in this case, not knowing the definition of love for ourselves. Um, Also, the subconscious mind, how can we deal with it? Because it's so powerful, it just runs on the background, we are not conscious about it. Is it possible to change the processes of the unconscious mind to make something happen that we wish for?
2: Absolutely. So the subconscious mind, when people think of it, they think of it, it's a mind, but it's actually our entire body. It's like our whole totality of who we are as a human being. That's our subconscious. It's not like the just the mind brain part of it. And so when we have you know imprints energy imprints when we have energy blocks is another way of saying it from things that have happened in the past like traumas and we close down our heart around say love or we close down our heart around abundance or we have this imprint in our emotions and we're kind of from a set point of anger or something like that these are all ways that energy and why becoming an energy master is so important because when you can feel and understand that you've got a block that's being in your that block is in your subconscious. And the subconscious will always project itself out onto the screen of what our life looks like. It has to. And so it's it's not for us to go in and dig around our subconscious. It's understanding that the subconscious has brought something to conscious, to consciousness because we're looking at it, we're dancing with it, we're arguing with it, we're doing something with it in our daily life. And if we have that level of contrast that has shown up, it's because there's something inside of us. And so if we kind of reverse engineer the contrast, why we created it, we get to this, the subconscious block or the belief. And then when we expand out of that block, when we bring in a different alignment of energy with it on a consistent basis, we have the the power to transmute that blocked energy into expansiveness. And when that happens internally, The outpicturing, the screen that we look at of our lives, the projector is showing a different picture. So lack becomes abundance. Loneliness becomes fulfillment. Um, You know, those different kind of things shift because we look at what is and say, okay, that's not what I want. What do I want? Why do I want it? How do I want to feel? start to bring in the feeling, notice where we're having blocks of that feeling not being able to flow through our body, understand that that's from an imprint, release the imprint, that's the deeper work that I do, help people release the, the imprints and energy, and then have that energy that you do want flowing through you so that that changes that picture, that changes the events, the situations, circumstances, what you experience.
0: So much sense. And it's interesting what you said, uh, I never heard it that way it makes so much sense that the subconscious is actually here being manifested here and now it's not something that's hidden so if we are aware self-aware especially we'll be able to see what it's doing
2: yeah when you think about it you know when you have we have an intention or we get excited about something that we want to create or a desire and that is not in vibrational alignment with who we are right now Everything that is under the surface and that is not of that vibration, which is part of the subconscious, will come up. So it's going to reveal itself. We never have to go digging for it. It'll come up. It'll be a a belief or a thought that we have and go, God, where'd that come from? Right. It's revealing itself. And if we're self-aware enough to go, wow, I just heard myself say life is. I mean, I remember that when it was like several years ago, I was sitting at the kitchen table and I heard my mind say, life is hard. And I'm like, whoa, where's that come? (laughs) I don't want to believe that. That's in, but that's in there. Where did that come from? And it's kind of like, you know, when you're gardening, you could cut the weeds at the top, but it makes more sense to go in and dig them out and pull them out by the root. And when we do that, then we can plant a nice little flower in the in its place.
0: Is meditation one of the uh, the methods to achieve that? Meditation is a huge, important tool to connect and align
2: with you know the quantum field, with the energy that we do want, with the life that breathes us. It's it is one of the best tools that we could have as human beings to be able to sit quietly, to be able to be in communion, to let the, the, very, the very breath that breathes us, let it literally breathe us and let us, you know, kind of surrender to that part of us and not have to feel like we have to be in charge of it all. It's kind of funny because we're not in charge at all.
0: <laughs> right. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> you describe the formula for creating success as an inside job or inside out approach. How is it different from traditional career building strategies?
2: So kind of like what I was saying before, happiness is the puppy. It has, It's this, it's that, right? So most of us think like, okay, if I go make more money and I work really really hard and i get that promotion then i'll make more money then i'll feel successful and then i'll feel free and or if i want to feel fulfilled i need to go find the man and get married and have the kid or you know get married and live in a fabulous you know house or do all these things now all those things are awesome but it's it's going after something in order to feel it's actually reversed. We need to feel in order to attract. And so when we can, and we and we have that ability to, as human beings, as energetic beings. So whenever you hear yourself saying, oh, I want that or I want more money or I want that promotion or I want new clients or I want this or that, ask yourself, why do you want it? And what's the bottom line feeling that you're after? Because if you can identify the essence, essence is feeling nature, such as love and fulfillment and success and Prosperity and freedom, and you know, those. And then you can bring that feeling, you can like almost feel like that energy is bubbling up within. It's like I was saying, you know, happiness is not because of something else, it's a decision, it's a choice, it's a focus, it's a connection that you have inside of yourself. And all of those emotions are available to us right now because it's a holographic universe. We've felt slivers and slices of those emotions at one point in our lives. And if we haven't, there's other divine beings that on this planet that have, and we can tap into that and breathe, able to breathe that energy inside of us, whether it's joy or fulfillment or whatever it is, that we can think that and, and just start to feel like, what would it feel to feel joyful? And all of a sudden, as you're putting your intention on and your focus on that, you start to feel joyful. You start to feel that level of happiness, not because of a thing but because you just
0: decided to feel it. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things that I noticed that happened many times with me, I'm not sure I have to ask you the question later if it happened to you. When I get frustrated about something, I do something and then I expect something to happen and it doesn't happen. And then a lot of times I get frustrated and I say to myself, oh, it's okay. I'll just give up. I don't I don't have to get anywhere with this. And before I actually give up on whatever it is, something happens. That's the surrender. Yeah. Isn't that interesting?
2: Yeah, because you're getting out of the way of it. A lot of times, you know, I hear this a lot from clients that I I coach and work with. Is that I'm working towards this thing. I'm working towards, it, and there's this almost like attachment energy, like it has to happen, or there's a frustration, or a place of like, oh, you know, like why is it? Why didn't? It, why didn't I get the news yet? Why didn't it? why did that manifestation? Why didn't I? When did I get the guy yet? You know, and it's like when you detach from it, not go, oh, whatever. But just really surrender, surrender, that's working with the law of detachment, surrender the who, the where, the what, the how, and, and that's where you bring in that space of faith that if it's to happen, it's to happen, if not this, then something better, then we're getting out of the way of the flow, and that's when things can
0: manifest. We're not in control, but then we can get in, in the way of ourselves, even by wanting something that's meant to happen, wanting perhaps too much, with too much force, a personal force, it gets in the way how interesting what suggestions would you give to people who work in toxic environments and they are in contact with negative people and energies. Well,
2: I can share this from definitely a point of personal experience. So it's not like just some esoteric, you know, philosophy that I'm giving. Um, I, I worked as a pharmaceutical sales training manager in the corporate office and um, the manager that I had was very toxic and, and you know, he, we called him Eagle because he was just always, you know, over, over us and would come into our offices. And sneak around, and and there was a lot of you know colleagues that would throw you under the bus, and and all these different things. So, um, what we need to do in those kind of situations, because situations will change if we change the vibration, is um, what I did as a practical thing is that before I was driving into work, I would think of all the positive aspects about the current job that I had, and I would think about the money that I made, and the fact that I had nights and weekends free, so I could coach my clients and you know that i had certain amount of vacation days to take breaks and i had friends that i did trust at the office that i could go grab a tea with and you know the different things that were the positive aspects that raised my own vibration when i would see some negative things i would go and take some deep breaths and focus again on what do i want why do i want it how do i want to feel because in that situation, I would think about this is only temporary. I'm not here for long. I'm going to go in my business full time. This is over 13 years ago now. I'm going to go in my business full time. I'm going to have the freedom that I want. I'm going to be free of a boss. I'm going to make my own schedule. And I would sit there and think about all the reasons why I was working towards and that thing that's going to manifest you know, soon and that this thing that I'm doing right now was that stepping stone to getting there. And soon I I was able to be more neutral in those situations, things that would happen that would bother my colleagues, didn't bother me as much. I was able to move myself through it. And when I shifted my energy, one of the things that I I was aware of was like, God, he's so critical. And then I realized, wow, all the bosses I've always had have been so critical. Well, again, it's like we were talking about, can't give out, you, you attract what you have inside and I started paying attention where I was critical and I stopped the process of being critical of myself. And then all of a sudden he stopped being critical of me. So it is important to understand that we do shift when we, when we shift internally, it has to shift relationships, situations, everything has to shift outside. It's universal right. law.
0: Action, reaction, right. Um. And gratitude, how wonderful that is and powerful. The practice of gratitude, right? Yeah, and even gratitude for
2: what hasn't manifested yet, because people think, oh, be grateful for what you have already, but what's in the process of becoming, we have to be grateful for that, even though it hasn't yet manifested itself, shown itself to us yet. The space of gratitude brings it to us sooner.
0: I guess you just answered my next question about going beyond limitations and challenges that's happening right now. And yeah, those tools will help so many people. I mean, I'm sure you're doing that work out there, helping them, trying to visualize and be grateful for that beautiful future. that awaits them um, instead of complaining and just being stuck, feeling stuck. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's easy to look at what is and, and have a reaction to what is especially when the what is in what you want, but know that that's only temporary and that our thoughts of yesterday brought up that today. And so we have to think about what do we want our thoughts of today to bring our into our tomorrow. And so we have to choose our thoughts wisely and choose our emotions wisely and align with spiritual truths instead of falsely beliefs. You know, that's when you actually, those little shifts, like I always say, like even the words that we speak, the language that we share and that we say out loud has such an impact on our manifestations that I've actually created a 30-day video program that's for free and I'll give access to all your listeners for that. But it's 30 days of what words and phrases to completely eliminate from your language and what to replace it with instead because these little shifts in vibration make a huge difference in how we feel and what we see and manifest. So all those things as human beings, what we say, what we think, what we believe, what we perceive, what we feel, these are what we have control over. And, and we have free will. We have free will to focus on what we don't want. Or focus on what we do want to have faith in. What we don't want, what we don't want to happen, or have faith in what we do want to happen.
0: You mentioned something before. I made a note here about that we are creating every moment. Everything that's happening to us has been created in the past. Let's say if there's such a thing, past and future. Uh, We are creating what's happening to us. So I'm wondering. How do we understand unfairness and injustice? The concept of unfairness, um, when you think
2: about it from a universal perspective, the universe is very fair in that it's always giving us what we're vibrating. And so a lot of times people think, oh, it's so unfair. She gets that and I don't. Well, it's the fact that you're focused on comparing yourself and that you're looking at what you don't have instead of what you do have, as an example. But the universe, I mean, that's one thing that I love since I learned about the universal laws over 20 years ago, that if something's not manifesting in my life, I have to take responsibility for that. If something is manifesting from, you know, in my life, I get to take responsibility for that. So it's the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, and understanding that if I'm not getting what I want and I feel like, well, it's not fair. How come that person has so much success and I don't? It's like I'm asking the universe to bend in its, you know, consistency, because it's always consistent, you know, we're the ones that have to learn how to work with it. So whenever someone says something is unfair, it's like you just need to learn more and how to apply the universal laws so that you're focused on what you do want, staying in your own lane vibrationally and being able to manifest what you want instead of looking over at your neighbor going, but he's got that. What that's not fair, right? (laughs) And True. same thing with same thing with being unjust, unjust I mean, the universe is very just and it's very fair, but we're the ones I have to learn how to apply to be able to get information and be able to get the results that we want.
0: Yes, yes. A thousand times. One of my last questions to you for this section, can anyone become an energy master? And how do we know we have become one?
2: Yes. I mean, we all have the ability to understand energy and to understand that our thoughts and the things that we've created are energy when we can feel the subtle energy of something we can then shift into. It's like that jukebox I was giving an example of. I'm going to choose a different vibration. And it is a skill set. It is something that most of us have forgotten. We knew that when we came in as little babies, um, we were programmed against it and became more focused on the practicality and pleasing mom and dad and not listening to our intuition because it didn't make sense to do that because we needed to survive in our families and I need to make mom happy and I need to you know, be perfect in order to get love and all these other things that were just put on to that, the fact that we already are energy masters. So it's a lot of times it's just reactivation of the divine codes and the, the divine understanding of who we are and what powers we have to choose and to connect with our free will with our divine will. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing course that I teach called Quantum Energy Mastery. I teach it a couple times a year. It's a live class. It's a step-by-step process to get us back in the divine design because we're all divinely designed for, you know, four different quadrants in our lives to have health and well-being in our bodies, to have abundance, to have success and to have loving and supportive relationships and all the, you know, intricacies of what that means individually. Like we're all human, right? That's the divine design. None of us have tails or beaks. But then we all have different ethnicity. We have different color eyes. We have different color hair. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. There's that individualization that happens with each person, too. And we have our own unique divine codes of energy there as well. So it's just a matter of learning those and tapping into those.
0: I'm wondering why some people are able to be open to these kinds of teachings or to become the divine energy, let it flow. And some people, they are destined to not get there in this lifetime. Perhaps I'm talking about people with mental illnesses. And psychopath.
2: Some people just have that thirst, that quench, that hunger to understand more than what's here. Other people at face value can go, okay, I'm here to work. I'm here to do this. I go to bed. I do it all over again. I have family. Family's most important. That's it. And then other question, well, what is it about? Why are we here? What is this really for? And it's in that thirst that, you know, like when you're really, really thirsty and then you, get some water and your your thirst gets quenched. It's kind of like that feeling of you're in the desert and you just are dying for a glass of water. You're wanting, you're seeking this information. And that's where I was years ago. I mean, everything in my life was working and if I had a checklist of all the things I was told is going to make me happy, I could have checked them all off the list, but there was still something inside of me and said, there's more. And I'm not feeling this fulfillment with having the money and having the body and having the friends and having this and having a great career. There's more. There's got to be more to this. And that thirst had me really calling forth to myself when I met with my first meditation teacher and she said, you create your own reality this is over 20 years ago before this was common knowledge. I'm like, I do? Wow, there's something inside of me that knows that to be true. Some people are just happy being
0: where they're at, and other people want to learn and expand. True, true. And that we don't know exactly. That's the mystery, right? Why some people, they have this desire for truth. And some don't and they never will in this lifetime. Would you like to add anything before I ask you a few final questions? No, I just want to tell everybody you can go to WatchYourWords.com and that's
2: where um, I'm going to gift everybody, all your listeners, the 30 day video uh, free program. So it's free to everybody and it's really being able to hone into what are the things that we say? Most of us say it. It's mass consciousness. We, we don't realize the damage of having these phrases and words, what we say. And, and so I tell you why and then what to switch it to instead. So everybody could go to watchyourwords.com. And that's just a free gift to help you start mastering that aspect of your life.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Christy. My final questions. What is to be strong?
2: To have a space of steadfastness, to be able to have stability, To be able to have courage to stand in your own truth, to really be able to express that truth, that's being strong, to be able to, you know, maybe ruffle some feathers if you need to, because it goes against yourself. Being able to just be you and not be unapologetic because of it and having that just this is what's happening because that is the stability, that is the strength. That to me is, is being able to have that courage to go for what you want and have that strength and stability.
0: What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life? I'm not God.
2: <laughs> and yet, and yet at the same time, I am God, you know, we all have that divine breathing us and each one of us are, you know, we all have that divinity. We wouldn't be here. When, when our lives are over, that God self, that non-physical goes back into non-physical and it puts itself back into it creates itself back into another, you know, unit of consciousness. And so it's the both and that I'm not and that I am. When to know what how to allow that divine part of me to take the forefront for my personality part, to be able to still be present and be full of life and, and all that, but let myself be led instead of being driven.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. That I am, that I am not, but in between, I just dance. What is another word for healing? For me, healing is really about releasing the pain
2: body, the pain imprints, the, the stuff that's been like filtered over the light body. Healing is really about releasing the pain, releasing the, the reaction, the, the filters of the pain body and coming back into the really who we are. And that's light and being able to function and relate and create from our light body instead of our pain body.
0: If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life? No, I absolutely love my life. I love what I do for a living. I love my family.
2: I love spending time with my family. I have amazing friends and I just feel very blessed. And that's why I'm so committed to teaching and to helping people heal their pain bodies, to move into light bodies. Because when you do that, you can have, as I wrote my book, The Art of Having It All, you really can have everything that you desire in your life and as you define it and as you want it. And that's really what I feel very grateful that I've set up my life to be able to do what I love and do it with people I love doing it with. Do
0: you believe in life after death? And if you do, what kind of life?
2: Yeah, I believe that obviously our physical bodies that we know ourselves to be, the women, the men, our names, the roles that we play, that obviously goes away. And that version of ourselves it has unique and different from any other person that's ever been before us and we'll ever be again. That's the ending of that particular existence. But the very spark of life, what's beating our hearts, what's you know breathing us, what's circulating our blood that animates our minds and our bodies, that goes back into pure non-physical energy until that soul part is ready to then move into another body again. So I believe it's just a, a temporary dance that we get to dance here and then we go back and if we choose to come back in, we do in a different form and, and then we do it all over
0: again. Right. <laughs> what are three things about life you know for sure as of today?
2: I know for sure that universal laws exist and that they are consistent and that they work for every single person all the time. I know for sure that we are the ones with our free will and that we are the ones that have to decide how we want to feel and that we actually are the ones and the only things that we can control is our thoughts and our words and our feelings and how we react and respond to things. What I know for sure is that love is the most powerful energy in the universe and that you can never go wrong when you're connected to that unconditional love, that stream of of energy that comes from our divine and as you receive it and you give it out,
0: all good things come from that. Thank you so much, Christy, for your presence, for the beautiful conversation. It has been fun, meaningful, and beautiful. Very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Where can we find more information about you, your
2: books, services? Well, my books are all over, you know, Amazon and and places like that. But you can go to ChristyWhitman.com. And I really um, suggest everybody goes to WatchYourWords.com because that'll really give you a good place to start and will really help you implement this information. So WatchYourWords.com and ChristyWhitman.com.
0: Thank you so much again. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye for now, Christy. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Christy Whitman, please visit her website, ChristyWhitman.com. To learn more about this podcast,
0: please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.